Hello, welcome back to the Restoring Balance podcast. I'm your host, Megan Garza, and I'm a holistic health coach who specializes in helping women struggling with IBS and acne to optimize their digestion, feel more confident, and get deeper, more restorative sleep for balanced hormones. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing mental wellness, depression, and the truth about antidepressants. Before we get started, I do want to issue a trigger warning because we are going to be talking about a lot of heavy stuff. So I'm going to be talking about depression, self-harm, eating disorders, suicidal ideations, lots of stuff like that that could be triggering. So if that's not your thing right now and if that is going to potentially trigger you, I highly recommend that you just click off of this video. But if you want to hear more, continue listening. I really thought that I would start by sharing my story because stories can be very powerful. They can show that others are not alone in the struggle that they're going through and that it is possible to get better from these things. So as I mentioned in my first podcast in the introduction, I was heavily medicated for ADHD starting at four years old. So over the course of 13 years of being medicated for ADHD, I tried nearly half of the pills on the market at the time. Like I'm not even exaggerating. I really wish that I was, but I'm not. So one would work and it would work great. And then all of a sudden it wouldn't because I would build up my tolerance to it. So then they would try a new pill that would work for a while. And it was really a vicious cycle of me just being this guinea pig for this doctor to just do whatever he wanted and to test all of these drugs on me. So these came with lots of side effects like heart palpitations, chest pain, weight loss, uh, no appetite. I had a lot of trouble sleeping. I would dry heave a lot of the mornings because my stomach acid was just so bad and I would have just the worst stomach pains. And I remember I would try to explain this to the doctor and they would basically just laugh at me. I didn't really have a lot of people that believed me. They would say like, oh no, it's just in your head. What, you know, seven-year-old has chest pains and heart palpitations. And, you know, if you clearly look on the side effect list, like there's definitely heart palpitations listed as one of the side effects. And like everything that I was experiencing was because of the medicine. Um, But I didn't realize that at the time because I was seven. (laughs) So Later on down the line, I developed depression, and that was at around 11 years old. So I experienced the death, a very sudden death of my neighbor, who was really close to me. He was like another grandpa, and that was just so mind-blowing because it was so sudden, and it was just so horrific the way that he died that it really that's when it started to kind of spiral. And then after that, about a year later, my grandfather died and we found out in a way that was a lot less than ideal. It was on my birthday. So I was celebrating. And of course, you know, any little 12 year old that hears that their beloved grandfather died, of course, you're going to have some kind of trauma from that. And that's when the depression really started kicking in. And shortly after that, I started getting bullied because, you know, I was like the scene kid or the emo kid or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, I was different. I was just, I was an alternative kid. (laughs) I did whatever I thought, you know, looked cool and I dressed how I wanted and I acted how I wanted. And, you know, I was just fun and quirky, but not every kid is like that. And when you're in a small school, 
people notice. People notice it a lot. And you can't just fly under the radar where if you're in a big school, there were probably about 40 kids in my class. So yeah, of course, people notice. So the bullying got really worse. And um, just dealing with the passing of those people and then the bullying, it was just things started to get bad. So I started to get really depressed and it got to the point where I could not cope with this depression anymore. So I started self-harming. And this went on for several months without anybody noticing. I think I told a couple people at school and, you know, when you're kids, you're just like, okay, like, what are you doing? <laughs> why do you why do you do that? You know, other kids your age aren't going to understand. There were a few who did because they had done the same. But for the most part, like it got around the school that I was like the weird kid. And eventually my parents found out because I told a therapist. So then all of a sudden the doctor was like, whoa, whoa, hold your horses. Like, let's put you on Zoloft. And I was 12 at the time. And if you know anything about antidepressants, like you're not supposed to put children on antidepressants. It's super dangerous to do that. It's not tested on minors, especially with all these terrible side effects that come with it. But as I continued to be on this medication, I started to develop suicidal ideations from it. And that was something new because, you know, like, yeah, I get it. I was depressed and I was self-harming, but self-harm is not an indication of suicidal ideations or thoughts or anything. So once those thoughts started coming in, like I knew that they weren't from me. I knew that they were from this evil, that that evil medication that I was taking. And I was then hospitalized for those suicidal ideations because um, they were very worried about me, you know. And over the next several years, they started adding on more medications slowly but surely. You know, I think that they tried like Abilify and then they also put on Wellbutrin and it was just like a cocktail of drugs. But they made my symptoms so much worse. And I started, I actually developed generalized anxiety disorder from them. I'd never really had any anxiety. I started to get severe panic attacks from it, severe anxiety attacks. I started getting delusions of just situations that I perceived in a different manner. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I saw it. My personality was extremely altered. I was unrecognizable to the people who had known me before the medication. I was becoming more numb and withdrawn to my own emotions. So I had lost the ability to cry or really even feel pain or sadness. I started to experience menstrual problems, really bad dry mouth, fatigue and sleep problems I could I was so tired throughout the whole day but then at the end of the night like I just couldn't sleep I was up all night I was always drowsy my gut problems became 10 times worse I had profuse sweating like I mean I would walk through the courtyard to school and like I would just be drenched in sweat it was horrible it was so embarrassing and like there was nothing I could do about it and overall I was just becoming physically more and more ill and it was awful there was you know I just I felt like shit all the time and about a year after that 
after being on the medication, I stopped the self-harm, but then I developed anorexia with bulimia. So, you know, not only is anorexia and bulimia dangerous, but when you couple those two together, that's just a recipe for disaster big time. Because not only am I not eating enough calories, but when I did decide to eat, I would purge it up. So not only, you know, just the fact that I wasn't getting any nutrients within four months, I had dropped almost 30 pounds. So I was already a really thin kid as it was. Like I've always been a very naturally thin person. And it was like during puberty that I guess I thought I was starting to look fat and you know, I was just filling out. I was a normal, I was a normal size teenager. But since I'd lost so much weight and the doctors were very concerned about me, I was ordered that I could not play on my volleyball team anymore. And that really made me go more into my withdrawn and manipulative state. So when you have an eating disorder, you become very manipulative, especially when you are a teenager under your parents' care. You will do anything that you can to get what you want. So, you know, a lot of the times my parents would be like, oh, well, you have to eat something in order to go out. And I would be like, okay, well, I'll eat one piece of fish. And, you know, my parents were just so worried and they would be like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And, you know, they didn't want me to sit in my room alone. So it would just, you know, it was just this tug of war and this stupid game that I would unknowingly play with them. And, you know, it was just, it was my shadow side and it's the dark part of us that we all try to hide because I look back at the pictures of myself and I don't even recognize myself in any of these photos. And for me to try to explain some of this is, it's very hard because I feel like part of me has blocked most of this out. I don't really remember much of the memories. It's very vague and uh, very cloudy of what I do remember. So that's why I'm just, I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to put the timelines together, but the exact details and the emotions that I was feeling, I couldn't tell you. Like I really, I really couldn't. But back when I had my eating disorder, my parents tried to put me in an inpatient program after I think like five or six months of suffering from it. And like my health was declining very quickly. So they tried to put me in an inpatient company or an inpatient program for it. And the insurance company denied it. And they said that I had to be 14 years old to be accepted. And at the time I was 13. So not only is that super messed up that I was not able to go in there like, oh, you're not old enough to be sick for this program. But it was just scary because like what other option did did we have so my parents then put me into a children's hospital and they told me like yeah you're not really sick enough to go into the hospital so i literally had to stop eating and drinking for three days get my electrolytes so depleted or depleted that i had to get into the hospital like at this point i was at the state of self-awareness that i knew that there was a problem but i didn't know how to get better so I was just doing what I could to try to get myself help. And when I went to the hospital, this part really gets to me all the time because it's something that did stick with me from what I went through. So I got placed into a children's cancer ward and a little girl, no older than four years old, she was on this plastic scooter going down the hall, just living her life. 
and she had no hair. And at this point, like, it had dawned upon me. It occurred to me that this little girl wants to live, and I'm in here because I don't want to eat. And I just felt so much guilt, and I felt so selfish because I knew that I'd put myself in that situation. And I know that these things are out of your control, and it's not like I was just not eating to be defiant. Like, no, there was definitely something wrong with me emotionally and physically, but I knew that I had more control over my fate than this little girl did. So when I was in the hospital, I started eating almost every single meal. I was vegetarian at this point, and I think that they gave me a meal with like a steak. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm already anorexic. Like, you're not going to get me to eat a freaking steak. So then they started bringing me like regular meals of like the Pedialyte and just disgusting hospital food. If you know anything about hospital food, it's just a bunch of trash. It's not going to get you better, but... Ugh, <laughs> gross, but I started eating and that was great. But recovery took a lot of time and a lot of therapy. But after about a year, I really did start to eat normally. And I say normally in air quotes because I started binging. Not binging on copious amounts of food, but more binging on a bunch of food that was not good for me, like potato chips and sugary lemonade and just a bunch of stuff that is really bad for your overall health but you know I was eating so it was like okay that's that's great like good job <laughs> and over the years um I think I was like 15 I got up to be 150 pounds which is not good because I'm a very small framed person for reference I'm 22 years old right now and I weigh 114 pounds I'm a little bit on the small side but that's just how my body is currently so 150 pounds versus where my body wants to be right now at 114 like that's a huge difference so it was just all inflammation because of all of this crappy food that I was eating it wasn't nourishing me and I was also taking these prescription drugs that caused me to gain weight specifically Abilify definitely makes you gain weight so I was still depressed at around 16, 17, 18, but I was getting out of it. I was making a conscious effort to focus on the good things in life. And I also switched schools, so that really helped. And I had a new friend group and just to not be so negative and to use all the coping skills that I learned. And that really helped a lot, but I was still really hurt from all the trauma that I'd experienced. So... I wanted to get out of this. I knew I wanted to break this cycle and to just stop feeling like shit all the time, stop feeling so depressed. So I just stopped taking the meds one day. And it was a very conscious effort. It was very planned. I had discussed it with a few people and I was on antibiotics for acne, Zoloft, Concerta, Bilify, Wellbutrin, Focalin. Like it was, it was bad. This doctor that did this, like he should be in jail. Like this doctor is a piece of shit. <laughs> and I know that a lot of people don't like it whenever you say that because, oh, the doctor was just trying to help. But no, pediatricians should not have any say so of giving children these kinds of medications. I don't think psychiatrists should even be allowed to prescribe these children, you know, these medications to children. They're really bad because there's no studies on them. But when you stop taking them suddenly, like I did, 
it sends your body into just this complete state of shock. It was so terrifying because I would get head zaps, almost like I was about to have a seizure. I would have profuse sweating and then chills, drowsiness, shortness of breath, chest tightness, and this lasted for a long time. Severely, I want to say it lasted for about six months. And then probably about two years after that, I was still experiencing some of the side effects of the withdrawals. So it definitely does take a long time to detox your body from this crap and to really restore your nutrients. And, you know, I'm still working on all of that. And detoxing and giving your body nutrients is something that you should always be working on because we're humans. We're exposed to so much stuff in the 21st century that we really need to put a focus on detox and replenish. So several months after I got off of the meds, this is not related to going off the medication, but it's an important event. I got into a motorcycle accident, which I could have potentially died from. It wasn't that bad. And I say like I could have potentially died from in a sense of if I crashed differently or if I did this or that. But I had road rash all over my arm, my hand, my leg, my foot. I had a hole in my knee that required 15 stitches. I had a cut on my foot that required five. Nothing was broken. Nothing was torn, thank God. But this was really an eye-opener. So just being so helpless in the hospital and making so many people worry about me just put me in a spot where I realized yeah, I need to change my life and grow up. So later on, my now husband, Louis, this is probably about six months later, he got cancer and he had to have surgery to remove the tumor from his kidney. And that really changed our lives. So not only in a sense of slowing down and not going out to the beach and to go for walks, but just taking care of him and trying to figure out why people get cancer in the first place. And that's really why I've dedicated my life to holistic health, because obviously what he was doing didn't work for him. Obviously, the advice that he was following put him in the spot. So sometimes we really need these traumatic events to actually change ourselves and to be our wake up call. Some of us are a little bit more hard headed than others and have to go through these really horrible things. And I'm one of those people. I'm a kind of person that well, I was the kind of person that didn't want to listen and I just didn't want to learn anything from anyone. You know, I was Miss Know-It-All. So, of course, at this point, I was still experiencing depression and anxiety and acne and gut issues and just all kinds of health problems that came during this time of taking care of Lewis. And I just, I couldn't figure out why. And I started looking more into non-toxic living and looking into diet and animal products and fats and just the major role that it plays into health. I noticed that the cleaner I ate, the better I felt. And there's a lot more that goes into, pre into uh, developing depression and anxiety. And I didn't realize that. But some of the things that can have a major effect on that are... Things like gut infections, nutrient deficiencies, parasites, heavy metals, uh, poor sleep, medication, mold toxicity, toxic people or situations, PTSD, 
uh, grief from losing a loved one, abuse, social isolation, lack of purpose, postnatal depression, pain, artificial lights. Like there's so many different things. And that's when I was like, okay, like obviously I know the medication did not work for me. So let me take a look at all of these things because it really is a multifactorial issue. And treating depression is not a one size fits all approach, especially not with mind numbing drugs. And I want to give a little bit of a background about SSRIs, which is antidepressants. So LSD was originally used as a treatment for schizophrenia and alcoholism back in 1947. The CIA then purchased the entire world's supply of LSD from Sando Laboratories. They used it for mind control to wipe the mind clean and reprogram it. And oftentimes this was without the person's consent. So they would experiment on prisoners and sex workers and even people in the CIA. In 1962, they abandoned this project because of how unpredictable the results were from LSD. Also, during this time, Alan Watts started advocating for the therapeutic usage of psilocybin and LSD. Psilocybin is uh, magic mushrooms, in case you're not familiar with the name. Both of these, LSD and psilocybin, are potent anti-serotonin compounds. So they, uh, he advocated these drugs to expand your consciousness. So in 1968, possession of LSD was then made illegal, and then it was classified as a Schedule I controlled narcotic in 1971 by the United Nations under President Nixon's administration. He also stated that America's number one enemy is drug abuse. And Around this time, funny enough, in the 1950s and 1960s, they actually introduced the first set of antidepressants, or SSRIs, which actually increase your serotonin levels. So the SSRIs increase it, psilocybin and LSD decrease your serotonin. So this is really interesting because they knew these effects of these drugs, and they know what serotonin does for you and what it doesn't. So 90% of your serotonin is actually created in your gut not the brain. That's why it, your gut is called your second brain. So there's a theory that based on Freudian development models, people either develop two, one of two types of authoritarian personalities. There's the authoritarian personality or anti-authoritarian personality. So if you have the authoritarian personality, you are going to exhibit um, harm avoidance behaviors, unquestioning submission to authority figures, extreme obedience, and passive aggression. So this personality of authoritarian is also correlated with high levels of serotonin. And what's more frightening about this is animal studies that actually show that you have an increased perception of stress and helplessness when you have high levels of serotonin. So they did an experiment where non-serotonin animals would swim for hours to stay alive, but when they introduced the serotonin animals into the water, they would give up and actually just drown because they had no capacity to handle the stress. And, you know, that's really, really scary because that shows you that high levels of serotonin are actually not 
what the population needs. So having high levels of serotonin slows your metabolic rate and therefore diminish energy levels. It causes panic reactions in the animals that drown. Uh, hypertension and muscle pain are also correlated with ser high serotonin levels. Anti-authoritative anti personalities are also related with high dopamine and low serotonin. So this could increase this risk taking behaviors, lack of obedience, lack of regard for obedience levels. People like Tim Leary, for example, like it's no wonder that our government does not favor this type of personality on the general population, because if you have everybody who is questioning things and they don't want to obey authority, you're obviously going to get a lot of problems. But when you start pushing for everyone to start taking antidepressant, antidepressants, you need to start questioning things, because why do they want us so docile and compliant and not questioning anything. I mean, there's a balance of give and take of this kind of relationship of authoritative or non-authoritative personalities. And at the end of the day, they want us weak. They want us compliant. They want us unable to question any authority. And, you know, they really do have this false notion that high serotonin levels make you feel happier. And that's why they are pushing drugs like Zoloft and Prozac. And mind you, Prozac has fluoride in it, which is another substance that makes humans more compliant and docile. Hitler actually used it on the Jews so that way they would not fight back or uprise. And you look at this and you start to say, hmm, there's a lot of things that are starting to make sense. And, you know, why do you think that they put it in our water? Antidepressants commonly show that they trigger unnatural suicides. So even in patients that were not previously so suicidal become that once they start taking the drugs. And this shows the effect of learned helplessness. And that's honestly why they have a black box warning on these antidepressants, which means that the drug comes with serious life-threatening effects. So Accutane for acne also has a black box warning on it as well because it'll cause your fetus to come out with birth defects. There have been a lot of studies that show antidepressants do not help. In fact, they actually show that they make bipolar worse. There have been no improvement in major depression, and there's been no difference between SSRIs and controls in one year. Placebos actually show to have better results in suicide risks than SSRIs. And there's been a 50% failure rate in SSRIs, but the FDA publishes that it is about 90% effective, which is not the case at all if they have a 50% failure rate. So obviously, the quote, there's a liar, a damn liar, and a statistician definitely goes to show you that that's true because these people know how to manipulate the numbers to make it look like these drugs are helping. So increased levels of serotonin has been shown to be correlated with higher levels of anxiety and migraines and rapid decrease of blood flow to the brain, thyroid problems, increased aggression, Alzheimer's risk, authoritarian harm avoidance. And most of these studies that show the negative effects 
they go unpublished and this is due to the drug companies having conflict of interest and not wanting to lose money so that's really sad that they're putting their money and their profits before the people but as you know that's that's usually how it goes and that's why we have to be our own advocates and to speak up for these kinds of things and when you have an excess of serotonin some of the symptoms that show up and this can show up when you take these pills are fat gain liver dysfunction digestive issues low testosterone insomnia anxiety depression passivity low energy and even blood pressure problems and you know you can believe me or not believe me about any of this any of the stuff that i'm talking about but i'm always going to encourage you to do your own research because you know why are you just going to listen to some random person on the internet and i don't mean do your research on google i mean a browser that doesn't censor the information like duckduckgo or something similar than that but yeah i definitely encourage you to dig more into this kind of stuff because there's a lot of lies that we have been told about all of these drugs and you know i was harmed so bad by them and that's why i feel like it's important to share this information because i would hate for anyone else to be harmed by it and i know that it's going to happen i know that as long as these drug companies are out they're going to keep giving these pills to people who don't need them and it really does get to the point where when are we going to say enough is enough like are we going to keep poisoning our bodies for the sake of being healthy do these medications you know they don't even work and if you speak about if you speak out against it people get so mad and they'll be like oh well this works for me and you know i really hate to break it to you but the placebo effect is extremely strong so if they work why do you need to continue to take them like aren't you better now do they really make you happy or are you just tricking yourself into thinking that they help and i know they made me worse i know they made me so depressed and anxious anxious and you know that's the case for a lot of people i'm not the only one to say this kind of stuff it's just the people who try to speak out against this our voices are silenced by big pharma because big pharma has their hands in a lot of places and they know how to censor information they don't want the truth to come out because they know when the truth come that comes out their game is over and the sad part is you know depression and anxiety really isn't something that we should be struggling with for our whole lives like i get it trauma and abuse and ptsd can all cause major complications with happiness and pulling yourself out of this but it's about just not staying stuck and definitely not turning to antidepressants and trust me, I know how hard it is for people to face their demons when they have to struggle with things. My husband has PTSD from Iraq, so, you know, I completely get it. These, it, it's hard. It's, there's no one path, and the path is always going to have obstacles, and you're always going to hit roadblocks. But it's just about getting up and continuing to face the day and to take a break when you need it. But ultimately, I knew that I had to get off of all these toxic drugs if I ever wanted to get better, and that's exactly what I did. I uncovered the root causes of what was going on, and I took that responsibility. I faced my demons, and I just stopped thinking that antidepressants were going to cure me. 
I stop playing into the story of, oh, well, I just have anxiety or depression or ADHD. Like, no, I didn't want to accept that as who I was because I knew that was the furthest thing from the truth. It was a dysfunction in the body that I had to address because why do you want to accept that story of being sick all the time? I just don't get it. And it's crazy because you see so many people just doing just that. You know, you see these people on Instagram saying mental illness warrior or some crazy shit. And that's just their whole life. Just being trapped in their head, unable to clear, clearly think just due to the cocktail of drugs that their legal drug dealer. <clears throat> oh, sorry. I mean, doctor has them on. It's their whole identity. Just mental illness. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just my depression. I'm just my anxiety. Like, that's all there is to me. And it's like, don't you want to break free from that cycle? And then you see pictures of them and like what they're doing and they're up at night, not getting proper sleep. And you see the pictures of their food and it's like ice cream and pseudo meats and vegetable oil and sugar filled candy and foods high in polyunsaturated fat. And it's like, yeah, of course you're depressed. That plays a huge role in depression, your gut health, and you're just destroying it with all this shit that you're eating. And then you try to point it out or tell these people like, hey, this is connected to your gut health and depression. And they just get so angry, like, no, I'm depressed. And that's just how it's going to be. Let me take my mind numbing drugs and just tell others to do the same. And it's like, you know that these people feel like shit. They're overweight or they're inflamed. Their skin is so poor. They have acne all over. They have eczema. They look so tired and they make posts and they don't even do about how they don't do the dishes or get out of bed. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen these people on Instagram and they're just, they're so fooled by the system and their drugs and they're just lifelong patients to see these doctors because you take these drugs long term and then you need more drugs to help with the new problems that the antidepressants created. So it's, it's all by design. They want us to be weak-minded. They don't want us to fight back or question authority because then we're a threat and then we can get away with doing whatever we want. And, you know, I think that it's time that we start really questioning things and thinking for ourselves and not just blindly accepting these drugs that these doctors give us. Really start asking questions and seeing what alternative therapies that there are because there's a lot of different things that you can do to help yourself with the depression, not turn to these mind-altering drugs. And if you really want to get better, continue to lower your serotonin while increasing your dopamine. It's not the opposite. I can promise you that. You do not want higher serotonin. So some of the things that you can do to really help you with your depression are first and foremost, check for micronutrient deficiencies. There's so many micronutrient deficiencies that many people have that they don't even make the correlation to because doctors usually don't test for this stuff. And once you test for this, that'll really give you more insight as to what foods that you need to be eating and what vitamins that you need to be taking. Also test for heavy metals because this is really important and there's a lot of heavy metals that we're exposed to, you know, our air, our water, our food, like everything is so polluted now. And getting tested for heavy metals is just generally a good idea for overall health. Eating good food, making sure that you're getting proper sunlight and that you're exposing yourself to morning, midday, and evening sun. Getting restorative sleep, of course the sunlight is going to help with that so you're not waking up multiple times in the night to go pee or to check your phone or to do any of those things. 
and also just really addressing emotional trauma because this is something that a lot of people don't do. They'll take these drugs and just think like, okay, well, that's it. I don't have to do any of the inner work, but like, you know, you need to do the inner work and to figure out what it is that you're so depressed or anxious about because there's obviously something there, whether it be limiting beliefs or abuse or trauma or just some thought pattern that is holding you back. You know, you need to break free from that and not let it weigh so heavy on you maybe taking psilocybin or LSD. This is something that has been proven to be very, very therapeutic for some people. Of course, you don't want to do this alone. You would want to have someone who's an experienced trip sitter and you're in the right environment and you're not with people who are going to freak you out or make you feel bad or self-conscious. So, you know, obviously be responsible with that. Address your gut health. So addressing your gut health is definitely important because if you have any kind of parasites or bacteria that's overgrowing or yeast or fungus, anything in your gut, correct that because your gut is the basis of your health. Also getting rid of toxic people and environments. So if you are constantly surrounded by people who make you feel bad, definitely start to look for an escape route with that because you are never going to get better if you constantly have these people weighing you down. And like I said about rewiring your mind just to focus on the positive and not focus on everything that's wrong because a lot of the times I would wake up when I was depressed and say, oh, well, I'm going to have a shitty day. Well, yeah, of course I'm going to have a shitty day. I That was the first thing that I thought. So if you can wake up and just program yourself to just focus on the positive, I can guarantee you that's going to help you tremendously. And also spending more time out in nature. So if you're out in nature, I don't really know many people who are out in nature and say, oh man, I'm so depressed out here. Look at all these trees and these beautiful flowers. I mean, of course it happens, but nature is always going to make you feel better. There's just something so special and just so therapeutic about it. Seeking therapy is also something that is really, really, really beneficial. So whether that's group therapy or individual therapy or couples therapy or family therapy, whatever it is, just seeking some form of therapy that you think would be the most beneficial do that because sometimes you can't figure this stuff out on your own and sometimes you need to talk about the traumas and to figure out how to get out of these toxic thought patterns and how to overcome your traumas. There's a lot of things that you can do to help yourself with your depression and anxiety and medication doesn't have to be the answer. So the main takeaway from all of this is that your gut health is extremely important. Considering about 90% of your body's serotonin is made in your gut, your gut health should be a large part of your journey if you're dealing with anxiety or depression. And I know what it's like to be dealing with this stuff, and I know how much of an overwhelming mountain it can feel like when you have anxiety and depression. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I wish that I knew back then. It definitely would have shortened my journey a lot, but you know, sometimes God just sends you on these journeys because he wants to show you that you are capable of going through these things and that you're going to come out a stronger person on the other side. And this is something that I really do focus on a lot with 
my clients is just happiness and taking care of yourself and to really take care of any of these underlying issues because you know I get it like I I do help my clients with gut health and acne and all that but you know if you're depressed or if you're dealing with anxiety like you're going to need to get some help you're going to need to figure this out and to really take care of yourself and to understand what it is that you're dealing with and how to overcome all of this because you can it's possible you know i've never if someone told me 10 years ago that i would be out of my depression i would be like yeah right you're kidding no don't lie to me but now it's like yeah absolutely it is completely possible to pull yourself out of that out of those depths because sometimes you're just going through some shit and that's just how it is you just have to go through these things but the important part is that you do pull yourself out of this and that you do get better well that seems like that's all the time that we have for today i'm coming up on the 40 minute mark so if you have any questions or comments my instagram is megan garza wellness if you like the podcast let me know topic suggestions are always welcome so feel free to send me a dm on my instagram or send me a message through my website thanks for tuning into my podcast restoring balance be sure to check back next week for the next topic